0: Well, it was a question that I asked early on in this series entitled Soul Care, and I'm going to ask it again. How is it with your soul? That's really a Wesleyan question. Uh, It's a question that was raised early on in the movement when when small groups would meet together, uh, men meeting with men, women with meeting with women to encourage spiritual growth and to open up and be vulnerable. One of the key questions and the questions of John Wesley was, how is it with your soul? And so how would you answer that? Um, I, and I'll ask it again. it, it may be renewed, um, uh, joyful, uh, weary. I don't know about you, but at one point in this whole COVID thing, and, and we're still in the midst of it, as I can tell by the look on your face, uh, we're, we're still in the midst of it and... And, and I, I got weary with it. You know, how do you do? How do you do church with a worldwide pandemic? I mean, and and how do you do it effectively? And yet God has been faithful. Uh, how is it with your soul? Maybe you were downcast. You know, the psalmist is very honest about that. Oh, my soul is downcast. You know, and one of the things I appreciated about the musical piece we just heard—I don't know if you heard—you know, it is well with my soul. It was melodic, and in, and there was a high part in it. Uh, and and the interlude, and then it would come back down, and and a lot of our emotions have been mercurial in that way. Um, For me, this morning, it's hopeful. It's hopeful. I I think there's something special about stepping into a new season. While I like routine, like this morning was good for me, to go to Bryantsville to preach at 9 and, uh, they're a hearty group, let me tell you. And, uh, they were ready to go. And, and, uh, and then, and then, you know, coming here, that routine is, is helpful for my personality. Uh, it, it kind of reminds me of some purposefulness that I'm about in that routine. And then there's, there's another part of it that I'm inviting the change. I I like how we're stepping into this a little differently. And I want to say to those online, you know, you're making good decisions, as Brenda said, and and we want you to continue to stay home as long as you feel safe. But I got to say, it is good to have a congregation with eyes. I can't really read your expressions below your nose, which may be an okay thing. You know, you can cringe when I... And say something, and I'll never know it. That could be a blessing, but uh, but to to have the church together, we've done it virtually. We're doing it virtually now, but but in person, you know. As as a good African American preacher friend of mine said, he said, I, "I love my church because it's a singing congregation." In other words, they say "amen" a lot, and and I think they sing back to him. And and there's something about having other believers. In the room when you're preaching, it, it helps. It really helps the preacher. And so just know that. And so, I, how is it with my. Soul? I am hopeful. I am hopeful in how God is able to break through in unsuspecting ways, even in a setting like this, as, we, as we've done something different here today. And I believe He wants to continue. Uh, to do something in us, and so we 're talking about soul care, and we 've talked about the integration of the soul and 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 looked at a biblical understanding we and you 'll remember in this series we 've talked about caring for the soul in part has to do with caring for one 's body that that the body and is the temple of god, that it is the new temple of god it is the, uh, the uh, it is where the Spirit of God inhabits. And so we are, we're not a body with a soul. We are a soul that happens to have a body, and it is to be stewarded in this life. And then we will not use it anymore. I remember uh, I was telling the Bryantsville crew this morning as a young pastor, very, very young entering into a hospital room where a gentleman was taking his last breath. He was dying, and his family was gathered around him. And the daughter was holding the hand of this man, and the son was kind of clasping the feet, and, and they were showing their affection, something that, that hasn't been really available to folks in terms of good grief work uh, in, in recent months. and And I remember for me as a pastor, it was... It was kind of awkward. I mean, I had been to seminary. I had had how to do a funeral. But I think that was the first person, first time I had ever experienced death in an actual dying moment. And so it was a little awkward for me. But some of my best theology came out of those moments when I realized that in the soul of a person, that was simply a space suit. It was simply shell that had been stewarded for years and that body had been used to glorify God and and so that's one part and then there's the mind, we talked about that, how God allows us he said I am making them in my own image, imago Dei that we are able to have cognition we're able to think We're able to bring our thoughts to our life and to our faith. And something I said last week uh, was that, you know, we were never intended to check our brains at the door. We're called to be thinking people, to have a reasonable faith. And that's part of the integration of the soul. And one of the things I am very grateful for... As part of the soul is the will to have free will, to choose in life, to make decisions, to have discretion. And it is all very, very important in how I choose to use my body, how I choose to use my mind, how I choose to use my total self in light of the fact and so this is this is what separates us from the humanist purist is that we believe that God's very spirit abides in all of that integration The body to glorify God. The mind to be used and uh, stewarded for the good of God. And all truth is God's truth. Even for the scientist who may be an unbeliever, the things that they're able to glean and gather, I'm going to, to value. Even though they may not know where it is derived from, there is something good about how the mind can be used even in the unbeliever. But oh, how glorious. Ravi Zacharias passed away just recently, and he was a great uh, one for apologetics and for defending the faith, and yet he was so compassionate. He engaged um, the secular world so effectively in the way that he loved and, and valued questions. And then for the will. And you think about it, it's something that we bump up against, and we want to talk about that. But the will has so much to do with those other parts of who we are and how we use those. Um, Anybody in this room a strong-willed person? Do you live with a strong-willed person? Uh, leadership, there can be some strong-willed people. We have to channel that. But what, what what a glorious thing that we have a will. And even in Deuteronomy, as we read in the Old Testament today, it says, This day I will call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now choose... Why? We are not puppets. You have discretion, and you have the opportunity to choose life so that you and your children may live and love the Lord your God. And so your decisions are critical. And how you choose is important. And so let's talk a little bit about Wills. Have you ever had a a conflict of wills? What about in marriage? Anybody? (laughs) Baby, you look good in your pink today. I want to tell you that. Yes. I I wanted to say that in light of the fact that there have been conflicts of the will. Uh, And I'm not talking about will and testament will as in uh, as in. Who's in control? Give you an example. Um, my young, my oldest son. I remember, and you may remember me telling this story. My oldest son, Jacob, when he was an adolescent, a young adolescent, and he was debating his mother, and she was in the kitchen. And this is not a stereotypic thing. She happened to be in the kitchen, and uh, and as she was in the kitchen, he continued. To debate her over something she wanted him to do. And I could see it. And I just didn't get to him in time. Have you ever been there? I just, I could could have helped him, but I, I couldn't get to him in time. And she threw down the utensils that she had in her hand and stormed out of the room. And there was this awkward silence. And he said, Dad, what I do? And I said, you didn't know when to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and then Rebecca said, Daddy, why do you always take her side? Because, baby, I know what's good. Even with my dad recently, uh, I heard him talking about Delia when, well, I say recently, when she started taking over some caregiving and was uh, bringing the, the domestic setting up in terms of uh, appropriateness and cleanliness and all those things. And, and I remember her. Uh, he was saying to his brother, Uncle Ken, my Uncle Ken, describing to you, she's good, but she's in charge. <laughs> and so, so there can be a budding of the will. And I, I know in, in the marriage, there have been times where we had to lay down arms And compromise in the conflict. And in parenting, what's the first word that children learn out of the womb? No. And so that will is a blessing, it's a means of grace, but it must be harnessed. And that's where we as followers of Jesus can celebrate God's grace in our will. Because we want to get to the point where we say what he said in the garden, as some of the uh, disciples struggled with sleep issues. And he was in a moment, and it was the greatest battle that took place for all of humanity. And the battle was really won in the garden for humanity and humanity's redemption. When Jesus said, my will says, I don't want this cup. My will says, I don't want to endure the rejection of humanity. I don't want to face the cross. But not my will, but yours be done. It was a will alignment. It was a lining up with God's best for our best. And so when it comes to the care of soul... One of the best things that we can do is to seek God's will. And, you know, we could ask specifics about what does that look like? How do I discern God's will? And, and there are a lot of helpful suggestions that we could put out there. Prayer, that's where Jesus was doing that in his own life. The Word of God, the Bible, the Holy Scripture. Um, God's Word will never contradict God's will. in the discernment of wise people around us, and in the still quiet voice, a confirmation of what is, what is God's will? And sometimes that it doesn't always come clean and clear and nicely wrapped, but we have to step out in faith. And I think the willingness to be in his will regarding our soul, our behavior with body, Our thought life is huge. And what marvelous things can happen when all of those come together. And John Wesley had this phrase that I I think is a little bit of a misnomer in our day and time because the word perfection almost puts us off. He called it Christian perfection. But you could really say sanctification, which is another nice theological word, or you could say a pursuing of Christ-likeness over a continuum of time. But he said we ought to long for Christian perfection. Now, will we be perfect? Absolutely not. We will not be perfect. We will mess up. We will make mistakes. But he held to the, the understanding that if we walk with Jesus Christ long enough, obediently, surrendered to his will, that there will become a moment where we have a perfection of intention that our heart is right even when we stumble. An example of that is... Um one of my associates at a church where I served in Georgia went up here to Asbury Theological Seminary. She's a deacon. Her name's Fran, like our deacon, Brenda, here. And, and Fran was talking about when they were in Wilmore and her daughters were growing up and the daughters were walking from Wilmore Elementary to their home, and on the way she picked these beautiful flowers from a lady's yard. She got home and she said, Mommy, these are for you. And Fran said, I had real mixed emotions. (laughs) Because what a gracious act of love and affection. And yet she stole these out of a woman's garden in the front yard of Ho Ho. But I thought, that's a great example of The intention of the heart and will to be pleasing to God, even when mistakes are made. And so one of the the things that we can do for the care of our soul is seek to align with God's will. Because I think we'll be our best selves in the wellness of that soul. And there is a peace. Peace that abides with us in that. And that we know that God's will is the best. We trust his character. We believe he is good. And if we can get to his will, we're going to be okay. And so how is it with your soul I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful in the days to come that God wills for good for us. Let's pray together.